Welcome to the Tej Talks podcast. Forget the property celebrities. We speak to relatable people with fascinating journeys, just like you. Hosted by Tej Singh, we bring you new stories, life-changing deals, and expert advice every week. On today's podcast, and Instagram Live, and Facebook Live, and all of the lives, we are talking about how to pitch your business. This doesn't just apply to property, by the way. This applies to any business and every business. Uh, Me and James have experience in businesses other than property. So, of course, we're going to add some value from those businesses too, but also property. But before that, we're going to update you on what is going on in our lives. Um, Let's start with you, Ted. (laughs) (laughs) What's going on in your life, buddy? Let's switch it up. Uh, Well... I, I mean, I've got to 23,000 words in my book wow. uh, in the past three or four weeks, I think, which is pretty good. Uh, I've been forcing myself to write it a lot, which is not, not the best thing. But, you know, it's like, it takes a minute to just get motivated. And then when you're in it, you're like, oh, you know, you can write for ages. So that's happening. That's good. That should come out in a few months. I'm I potentially like it'll cost like 15 quid or something, but I may literally have all the information about everything in it. So when yep. it gets released, some, some of these property trainers might be sending assassins to, to me because I might just say everything. So mm. who knows? I might just kick the fucking doors open. You know what I mean? Don't uh, hold back, baby. Don't hold back. That's what, you know what I mean. Gazer star. You know what I mean? Kick the fucking door in. So we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm nearly done. I'm doing the BRR thing. So I've got, I've done B, I've done R, I've got the sort of next R to, to come. And then we're kind of there. So I'm looking forward to releasing that and becoming an Amazon best-selling author in like two days by gaming the system. That's obviously what you do. Um, Your buddy what? spoke about that, didn't he? Uh, Mr. Winnet on how to become an Amazon bestseller with a blank book. Yeah, blank pages. <laughs> you just sell it basically. Yeah. Um, I think like, yeah, so that's happening there. Otherwise, refurbs are carrying on. Uh, Nothing really to report. I mean, there's been some interesting news this week that or the last week estate agents have opened up. Things are sort of flowing again. Rick's valuers are, I'm not sure if they're going out, but uh, negative interest rates are under discussion, which apparently is going to have very bad effects. So look out for that. Also, Donald Trump has been taking the malaria medicine which has quite bad side effects and his own FDA have said you shouldn't take it. So I'm really hopeful that he doesn't like get side effects. It wouldn't it be really I, sad. It'd be he's, so a fud- sad. he's a fuddle full stop. No, but it would be so, look at my face. It would be so sad. <laughs> Imagine if he like just disappeared. Oh God, what would the world do without him? Um, and then uh, did, did you hear what Nancy said about him? I didn't know. No. So this kind of, I mean, fine. This is a, this is rude but he's the rudest prick in the world. So I kind of don't give a shit. She basically said, she's cause someone said to her, what do you think about Donald Trump? Nancy, what do you think about Trump taking this medicine? And she was like, well, you know, it's not meant for this. And I'm a little bit worried, you know, because our president is taking this and, you know, in his um, age range, it can be quite bad. And then she goes, but also, you know, in his, um, his, his weight class, which is clinically obese, by the way, it can be even more dangerous. And I was like, 
Shots fired. That is what politics is these days. And then hashtag President Plump was trending on Twitter. So <laughs> the, <laughs> the internet loved Trump being trolled by his own Speaker of the House, which was great. That was my highlight of the week. Um, other than that, my mum keeps telling me I'm looking a bit pale. Am I looking pale, James? Am I looking pale? You're looking shiny. Listen, no, I don't, I don't have oily skin, you know, like I'm... I'm I mean, you're glowing. You're glowing. You're glowing. Thank you, yeah, because she was like, you're looking very pale, I'm a bit worried. And I was like, I am still caramel. Like, I don't know how I can be pale, you know what I mean? I don't know how it's possible. So, that's my week. Uh, yeah, James, how about you? Please, share. Do you know what? Normally I have such an exciting week, but this week it's uh, it's been a funny one. It's not been that exciting. Um mm. But things have still been done. Um, I now have a VA who's fully settled in, who you've been very, very impressed by, by the way, from the communication I can see. Telling Compared her, to you, I mean, you know. You're way better than James. You're so quicker <laughs> than James. You look better than James. I want to talk to you more than James. Can we exchange numbers? All this nonsense. You know, you're loving my VA. I can see this. You have a lot of communication with her. You've been trying to take her off me before, you know. <laughs> So yeah, uh, she's very much settled in and it's been a breath of fresh air, if I'm honest with you. It's um, it's like having a second wife who doesn't talk back. Uh, <laughs> I like to compare it. I hope my wife isn't watching this, probably beat me up when she hears <laughs> that. she is. But <laughs> my, my, my missus made it very clear that if I get any emails from your VA discussing our personal business or to organise stuff, that's <laughs> it. Yeah, I'm out of here. I was like, okay, noted. Um Other than that, I have now um, got myself a... a uh, a bookkeeping team in Pakistan who take care of all my accounts bookkeeping. So they are literally doing it daily because one thing that I'd highly advise to everybody else is just know where your books are. You know, you don't really want to be out of date for more than I would say a week at most. And even a week at most is, can be, can be a lot, you know, when you've got a project going on with loads of bills going in, costs going out. So I've learned the hard way. I'm not knowing what state my book's in, so I decided to hire these guys in Pakistan. Obviously, they, my accountant aids them here in the UK. They're very, very intelligent guys, and they know what they're doing, and $10 an hour for them to do stuff is is peanuts, really, when you think about it. Uh, so, yeah, really happy about that. So building the team, but building the virtual team. Um, I'm, I've got my first two viewings tomorrow. I'm super nice. excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got an early morning train out of here up to my hotspot. You you already know about these deals, so keep them to yourself, mate. I don't really want to say anything until they're finalized and dotted on the line, but pretty much bought. Really, really excited about these because you know I wanted these from before and some, you know, Billy Big Bollocks come along who so-called had more money and now his loan ain't going through. I'm just like, yeah, where's your bollocks now, Billy? Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. If you know where they are, people, please comment if you can find Billy's, um, yeah, let, let James Nuts, know. Yeah. He's looking. So really, really excited. So that's going to be the first things. And I'm getting out of the house, which is great. Got my mask mm. ready, got my gloves ready, and I'm on a train. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Super, super, super excited. Um, the, the saga with the HMO continues. They have now been served a money claim online for the rent that they owe. So I'm really hoping this will prompt them to pay some money. Uh, if not, I've got some real sound advice from some real big HMO boys who have pretty much said the contract shits, everything shit. Just go in there, change the locks, give the three tenants that are remaining some keys, say you're taking over, start major renovation works, piss them off and they'll leave. Simple as. I mean, yeah, yeah that's the next logical step, to be honest. I mean, <laughs> good luck them suing you, you know what I mean? Like, so it's one of those things. 
Okay. So, do you know, off the back of that, I just wanted to say, I posted a little while ago, I posted a uh, an NRA um, link where you can get a discount, £15 discount off a membership. If you have a look at my Instagram, I would highly, highly advise you guys signing up. It's about 70 quid for the year. Mm. Uh, and it's and it's been awesome because I spoke to them for an hour on the phone and the advice I got from these guys was just amazing. You know, they went through and checked every single act that applies to the contract, every single thing that I can do. So for 70 odd quid, you get 15 quid off if you use that link as well. It, uh, yeah, Tarek, it's in my Instagram link and on my Facebook, you'll see it. It's a nice post. Uh, yeah, use the link, sign up. And I really think uh, it, it's worthwhile because it's just given me some advice that was massive. And you think, for 70 quid, a solicitor would have wanted a couple of hundred quid out of you to do that. So, mm. yeah. Uh, and lastly, I, uh, I've i got my saga continuing with my neighbor who is uh, <laughs> who is pursuing court action against me, which is fantastic. Um, got my barrister friend to, uh, uh, to advise on it. And he's basically told me she doesn't have a leg to stand on. The case is nonsense. He goes, let her pursue it right the way through court and take you to a hearing and go for a, you know, a, a hearing in court because she will be made to look like a fuddu, so to say. So <laughs> um, apart from that, all is good, man. Things are good. Things are good in the world of James. That's, had a nice um, little nap before I joined you this afternoon. I was going to nap as well, but then I just, I just, I was, I don't know what I was doing. I was probably eating or something. That's a good point. And I think, you know, we said about the, the uh, bookkeeping, if you have QuickBooks or zero and you do a bit of bookkeeping yourself, like let's say you do your first year, which isn't much, what well, depends when you incorporate I've done my first year of bookkeeping. It didn't take too long. And weirdly it was fun. It was like ironing, cathartic, you know, just peaceful. So you can set rules. So basically when I pay John, the builder, it knows that's under this refurbishment class when it's, I pay Insight Law, it knows that's my legal fees. So automatically my books are done. I haven't looked at them, but I know that literally as soon as a transaction goes into Tide, 24 hours later, it's in QuickBooks and it's categorized and it's it's automate, automatically done. I can go check it, but my, my books are done. So if people don't want to hire someone or don't want to train them and all that stuff, these these tools are amazing. And with some work from yourself, you can automate so much. Um, NRLA, I think they're called now, or a mix of them. You know what? I'm a cheap ass, but it is, it is too cheap. Like for the value you get from them, I don't understand how they can, because I'm paying 56 pounds. You're probably paying about the same with people, with the discount you gave. It's unbelievable. And, and when you type answers to them, they get back to you in like, it's, it's incredible. I honestly, I don't know how I've lived with it like so far, but they've helped me with all my staff forms. Yeah, honestly, it's too cheap to not do it. Like maybe if you've got a letting agent, like you know and maybe you don't need but 56 quid just just get it done so so james today we are talking about pitching business i made notes next to my uh, floor plans you can see my very oh, we complex can't, we can't see that oh. because it's all yellow oh that's oh look at that's so cool on a zoom anyway for anyone on instagram that's my complex floor plan so james pitching business i've been a recruitment consultant you had a print business We've both had to very much so pitch our business to clients, whether it was B2B or whether it was B2C, if you were, if your customer was maybe more of a client than a business. And for me as a recruiter, there was a lot of B2C and there was B2B. So when it comes to pitching your business, James, I think the first step is actually to, under, and this might sound silly, but to understand what your business is. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. I would go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I kind of say that, 
I think it doesn't just mean, okay, are you a sister? Yeah, well, you're a sister. Done. I think it's a bit deeper than that. I think it's, okay, what makes you unique? What's your USP? Um, what is going to make you stand out versus the 10 other solicitors on, on the high street or wherever? Um, what about you and your history is different? You know, do you specialize in a certain market or do you not? Are you brought, like, what is it specifically about your business that makes it unique? And I think for me, when someone, when I say, what is your business? I'm asking you really, what makes your business different? Would you agree? Or would you say something different or some of you people could add to that? Yeah, I think I'd agree with you, Ted. I think what people make, the, the mistake people make when they're pitching their businesses, they just start going on about me, 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 me. What can mm. I, you know, I do this. I am this amazing property developer. I build this, I build that, I do this. Or I'm this amazing recruitment consultant. I can save you this amount of money. I've got a proven track record. Uh, or I'm this amazing print company. I'm going to save you so much money. But all you're doing is just adding more noise to an overcrowded space anyway you're not really doing anything different from anyone else. And one of the things I feel that got me in the door with a lot of the print firms and some of the big accounts we got was I did a lot of listening. You know, I didn't mm. do a lot of talking to start with. I did a lot, a lot of listening. I wanted to know what people's pains were. What were their pain points? What were their pressures? What's, what things are, are they going through that I can help them with before preparing my pitch. And I think what a lot of people do is they just turn up at the door and just start saying, hey, hey, it's me, me. Can I, can I get some business, please? Can I get some business from you? Without actually understanding what somebody needs help with. So rule number one for me was always uh, on your first couple of uh, touch points. And by touch points, I mean the first couple of times you are speaking to someone or it might be an email, it might be a phone call, it might be an Instagram post or you know, it might even be a TikTok nowadays. But you know, the first few times you're speaking to them, you want to make sure that you're listening. Don't be doing a lot of talking because if you're pitching to someone, I want to know that you're interested in me and not just talking about you, 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 you. Um, we said this before on a show before, Ted, where we talked about assholes. you know. <laughs> if you're going to be an asshole and ask somebody a question, you know what, at least make it look authentic that you have come along you've liked a few of their posts or you said, Hey man, you're super, super good looking. I've been listening to your podcast. You the man. I love you. And then going for the kill, you know, maybe four or five questions later, don't just hit me up and say, Hey man, I want to get into property. What should I do? It's like, uh, okay. Um, normally when I get an incident like that, I just refer him across to Ted and he hates it. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, uh, you know, take your time to, to, to kind of, it's like when you'd meet, okay, let's take it back a little bit. You know, actually, no, let's not take I know, it back. I know where you're going to go. I know. You know exactly where I'm going to go, innit? I think, look, you know, what, what you're saying is, is 100% true. Um, and that's actually one of my next topics to go into. But as you were saying that, when you said about your print business, I think a lot of people worked with you, work with me, and, and now still work with us because of us. It's not, even if we worked for a company, like my sister, yeah, I know what company they work for, but I don't big up the company. I Really, I big up him. You know, my broker, I big up him. I, I don't big up the company because it doesn't, they're not unique, the person is. So a lot of people forget, they're like, oh, but I'm a sister, I work under this firm. So therefore, uh, you know, I'm, whatever they've achieved is what I've achieved. But it's like, no, you are a person. You've probably done something awesome, but you're just hiding behind the corporate veil. No, share what you've done um, and what you are doing because that is what makes you unique. So don't forget, if you're employed, if you're not, 
you could be the USP. You know, it could just be something you've done. Like, don't forget that irrespective of a business. Um, Anthony Laville says, whoa, I thought my hair was special. Wow, thank you so much on Instagram for that. But special is a nice word. I like that word. So uh, you know what you mentioned there, James, is my next point, which is cold versus warm approach. Mm-hmm. Have you ever cold called someone or cold approached them in print or in property and it's worked? And the answer could be yes, I'm sure it is. Uh, yes and yes, but there's always been a method to my madness when I've cold called them. So in print, what I realized was it, when I was in print, a lot of people used to moan on LinkedIn. So you could quickly see pain points or you could quickly see what people were needing. Now, if you were if you were quite shrewd and you saw this conversation going on, it's very easy to see where these people have come from, from what company, what position they have. When you jump on the phone and you ring someone cold, you say, hey, I've never spoken to you before, but I just wanted to talk to you about this particular product or this service that may help you. But psychologically, you've already given them what they need. So when I was cold calling, I was still doing a little bit of research and finding out what people needed or what had been their problems in the past or what could I address? What could I do to serve them was always my purpose behind calling them. It was never like, you know, let me call this person and just say, look, I could save you £10 a square metre, you know, give up the guy you've been using for the last 15 years and come and use me, this bearded Indian man you've never heard of, who's going to save you some pennies and might not be around next week. You know, even when you cold call, I think you need to, you need to have a clear script. You need to have a clear plan. And then I always say, have a clear uh, uh, I have an Excel chart, like a follow-up sheet, where when I've done a touch point one, I will tick it off, touch point two, touch point three, and I'll keep going up to about touch point nine. If after touch point nine, I'm not getting nothing from them, I think that's the time to say, you know what, let's just park this one up for a little while. We'll come back to this guy because he's obviously not feeling my music at the moment, or he doesn't want to. He don't want to speak to me at the moment. Um, so you kind of get an idea. But if you're going in blind and just ringing people with no way to track what you're doing. That's just nonsense, man. You're wasting your time. You need to track everything, man. How are you going to know what results you're getting unless you're tracking? Yeah, I agree. I think there's, there's a few points there. I think I'll start with the last one, which is tracking. Like you have any sales funnel, any sales process, and this is getting investors as well. Like investors is still a, sales might be a dirty word, but whatever, it is what it is. It's still a process of sales or communication. Viewings, you have to track your viewings. You have to always follow up. You have to, you know, I speak to people who say, Ted, yeah, we've done like a couple of viewings a week and but we're just not getting any properties. We've done like 40 viewings. I'm like, okay, that's you should have an offer accepted by now. I'm like, okay, are you following up on stuff? No. Are you tracking what you no, we're just viewing, offering, and then that's it. I'm like, y'all are crazy. Because the follow-up is where the money's made. The follow-up is where, you know, James is going to touch point nine, you know, I'm going to touch point six. Who's gonna get the sale? It could be either, but in, in this scenario it will be the person who's going to nine and you know, touch point one, everyone does it. Yeah. So you have touch point one, hundred percent of people do it. Touch point two percentage less and less and less. And le- so when you get to the later touch points, you look around you, there's just less people doing it. So in order to understand those touch points, you have to track them, right? What's, what's that saying? What's measured can be improved. Is mm-hmm. that the saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, so if you're measuring these things, you can then improve them. But you know what you said about the cold calling, I used to cold call all the time in recruitment. You couldn't afford to warm, be warm with everyone because people hated you straight away because, oh, you're a recruiter. Nah, dickhead, get away. So it was very, very difficult. And through that, I guess I learned to build somewhat of a brand. But the best cold calls I've had is when you call them and they're like, oh, 
you're that guy. I saw that post on something or, oh, someone was speaking about, oh, and then you're like, you breathe a sigh of relief because suddenly it's not a random idiot on the phone. It's okay. Maybe you're still an idiot, but I, I, you know, (laughs) I'm warm to you. And I kind of, I saw something like, okay, let's talk. And it could be a paid Facebook ad. It could just be a post that like you've seen, but that little bit of warmth changes that conversation. Same with deal sourcing, right? If you get an email or a message, I've had this before. Oh, let me know if you want me to source deals. We, we source deals in Scotland. I'm like, have you read my profile? No. Do I use sources or like them? No. Why are you coming to me with that bullshit? Because that shows that you haven't even visited the profile, right? Mm-hmm. So when you do things like that, a little bit of warmth, even if they had that same approach here, which was draw me to find you deals a million miles away in a place you're not interested in, but I'd seen their video or they'd like, or they'd, you know, if there was a bit of warmth, my response would be less cold and would be less harsh. Right. And that's with anyone, you know, you're trying to win a million pound print contract. If they've heard of you, you know, it, it makes life a lot easier. Right. So that kind of cold versus warm approach, but James in the world of social media today, do you think there's still room for a, for a quicker cold approach or do you think everyone should still be warming up and going slower no no i still think there's approach for a for a cold approach because like you say in the world of social media a lot of people are probably thinking yeah you know what i don't need to call no more i can just reach out on email or messenger but that's nonsense you still need to have calling as part of your strategy because it's very very personal you know when you call someone it shows that you're serious and i think also for you as a person if you can develop the skill of ringing people which is an art in itself, you know. A lot mm. of people say, oh, you know what? I don't want to ring this person because I'm scared. It's like, what the hell are you scared of? They can't see you, you know. You could be sitting there butt naked on your chair with your slippers on. They don't know what you look like. They don't know what you're doing, you know. What an don't image. be what, scared. What an image. Wow, thanks for that, James. What <laughs> but I have to interrupt there because it is normal, though. James is being an uncle today. He's being bad cop today, which is a nice change. But it is normal to feel anxiety because, you know what? I know so many people who will be so confident in person, but then on mm. the phone, I used to be like this. I, in person, I'm like, whatever. But on, even now on the phone, I'm just like, ugh. I prefer like video or face-to-face. But generally, I think we just don't like whatever. The, maybe it's a British thing. We just don't like the phone. But in person, we can be totally confident. So I had to interrupt you there. Sorry, just because I had to be a good cop for once. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. So yeah, so what I was saying, I think you need to develop that skill of cold calling people because especially in property now, everybody we speak, like, look, some of the lives that I've seen over the last few weeks um, stick to mind where people are saying, you know what, I made 120 calls to agents before I got a deal. Now I say it all the time. I say, if you're looking on right move for a deal, you're already too late unless you're pitch. Okay, you because you've got a strategy going on. Yeah, you're you're looking in cheap end of town anyway. All right, I, I buy in Mayfair. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, is that what you cover it up as? <laughs> did you just did you just call it Sheep Town? No, wow. I had, I, are you? Shut yeah, up. I heard that. I heard that under your breath. You just went Sheep Town. No, cheap, cheap town. Oh, cheap town, cheap town, cheap town. Okay, but so, hold yeah. on. When you do your cold calls, you said something really important before. You don't just call. You do something before. Yeah, so I would, I, would, I would do a little bit of research on who I'm calling and try and find out. Because I don't want to ring someone and say, hey, you know, how are you doing? I realized, uh, I read on your profile that you do this and that and this, and I'm totally talking about someone else. You want to make sure your information source is all, all good. Oh, I've lost you on Instagram, Tej, for a minute. 
Oh no, I'm back. You're not on my video. Am I not? What's Did you just press X? Did you just leave? No, I didn't leave. No, it just kicked me off. Oh. Maybe you were just too too handsome for the gram. Oh, shut up. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're back, carry on. You made me lose my train of thought now. So uh, what you were saying is you would do a bit of research beforehand so that, and by the way, research beforehand people could be a minute on their LinkedIn profile, taking it in a bit and then going for that call and being like, oh, you know, I know, you know, genuinely sort of doing that. But it doesn't have to be like, oh, let me spend 10 hours go on endol.com and credit check them and find out their spouse's name. You know what I mean? It's like, it, it can you wanna, be basic. You know what? You just want to find out something, maybe even something interesting about that person where you can have mm. a chat, where you can say, hey, man, I realized you were at the Formula One uh, last week and it looked great. How was it? Tell me about it. I'm a massive Formula One fan myself. Now, if you're going to say you're a Formula One fan, make sure you know something about Formula One because the last thing you want to do is they pull you up on it. Mm. Um, I want to go back to that point, Chedge, where you were saying, you know, like where we have touch points and some people touch point for six and some people touch point for nine. We've all seen that poster, you know, where you've got those two guys where one's digging this way, one's digging this way. And the guy gives up when he's so close to getting like a, a massive amount of diamonds. That's what cold calling's like, you know, I think, mm. or touch points like. You could be so close, you know, you could be one call away from getting that deal and you shit yourself and you think, you know what, I'm going to give up now. And I don't think you should give up. You don't give up until you've exhausted that lead completely because... People don't give you their money the first time you speak to them or the second time or the third time or the fourth time. It's going to take a while to get their money. So don't be disheartened. Don't be disheartened if it's not happening the first few times. Just make sure you carry on going until you've exhausted your plan or your touch points until you, you, know, you, you realize, okay, this guy isn't going to be doing any work with me or I'm going to have to leave this guy alone for a little while and come back to him. Yeah. And I think I'd caveat that when you said they won't give it on the first time you speak to them, I would say they wouldn't give it on the first time you interact with them because I've had people invest in me after two touch points. Well, it wasn't two because there were six or seven I, I never saw because it happened mm. through the brand, but there was two distinct touch points, which then led to an investment, but seven unseen ones. And that's the thing with branding, you could be doing stuff, you know, like we're doing here and there could be investors in this chat and they will watch and this will be a touch point, you know, like me and James are now conducting one touch point for a potential investor, but what we're doing is talking and giving value, but that's how you build a brand. That's how you get that kind of value. So, you know, I think what I used to do in recruitment is I would try and find all their profiles to find out as much as I can about them and do the personal piece, like the formula one, have they got a pet, whatever. Um, but I'd also sort of like some of their stuff and comment on it on a few different platforms on a few different days as if I just randomly stumbled upon their profile. And then when I called them, I would kind of hope that they'd remember X, Y, and Z. Um, it was fairly successful. People, Some people were like, oh, you're that annoying one who commented on the thing. And I was like, yeah. But I was still like, you kind of know who I am, even if it's 1%. And, and that makes a difference. So like, if you're going to message someone something, or if you're going to respond to a message selling something or doing something, like some of their photos, comment on it, because especially if you do it sort of just before you message, chances are they'll see the notifications sort of at once or in an order where they'll say, oh, okay, person's engaging, then, you know, cool, I'll be more helpful. Naturally, we are more helpful to people we know, like, and trust than we are to strangers. I'm a lot nicer to James, would you believe it, than someone I just met on the street, you know, like <laughs> genuinely, 
Nice. I don't know if I believe that. Afro <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chris says, Teddy's giving tips on how to be a stalker. You could call it stalking. I call it business. Pre-business development is what I would call it. You know what? A, a few few years ago, I spoke to a guy who runs a lead generation company. And you know what he said to me? He goes, my best friend is LinkedIn. He goes, I get all my leads through LinkedIn and I sell them on to people. I qualify them uh, and then I place them with the right person. Just goes to show, you know, LinkedIn will give you so much information. You know a company structure. If you're trying to get through to the marketing director, it's going to be very, very easy to find out who the marketing director is nowadays. Mm-hmm. It's not like how it was 10, 15 years ago where you're going to have mm-hmm. to do some solid, solid work and then try and take them out for a meal, a drink, whatnot. Oh, God. Now, <laughs> exactly. Now it's so easy. Information is at your fingertip, man. There's no excuse why you can't get the information you need in this day and age and get it get it super quickly you know being known being liked and being trusted is is what you want in any any business right you want to walk into a room full of networking and people like oh i recognize you i've seen you somewhere where do i know you from where do you know me from that's what you want right you don't want to walk and have to say i'm Ted. i do this i've done that oh my god thinking about it is boring like build a brand Go networking, get yourself known, because when it comes to making that warm approach, let's take Gary Vee, the greatest example. If he suddenly jumped in this live, hey guys, fuck college, man. I don't care what your parents say. Go to garage sales and all that shit. But what if he said, (laughs) I have the investment of the century. All I need is 500 bucks from each of you. It's totally unsecured. You know, I'll send you, I'll send you, you know, if something goes wrong then you know piss off basically everyone would especially americans would be like oh my god gary take my money can i give you more like it would pop off he would raise money like that he could lose it and you still probably would love him even if he lost it that's the power of a brand that's the power of being known and liked and trusted i don't invest in much because i use it for my own investments but if gary v had an investment and you know and it was good in terms of dd I'm investing a little bit, you know, like, like I am, if he turns up on crowdfunding or something for like some startup business he wants to have, I'm in, you know, and I think a lot of people are going to be in as well or, and replace Gary V with whoever you like. It could be James Sohoto, the J2 podcast, you know, it could be whoever, someone you look up to and, and, you know, you think you could trust and work with, you will do that with James. Um, I've written down here platforms. And I think what I mean by that is, and we've kind of touched on that with LinkedIn. Do you think there are some platforms where you shouldn't message someone about business or do you think it's all fair game? Do you know what? I think this day and age, I don't think there are any rules, man. I really don't feel there's any rules. Like, Tinder? I'm not would, sh- would, you, would you approach, I mean, you'd get a slap if you even downloaded it, but would you <laughs> approach someone and say, hey, by the way, look, I'm not looking for that, them things there. I'm looking for... To, to do business with your company would you do that on tinder um i think you got me there i possibly would not and you're <laughs> right i would not download an app like but, that because it's not but needed. hold on <laughs> if but hold on if you were you know single and in your early 20s i mean would you consider it i'll probably consider it then yes. yes i would i would too like because it's kind of funny as well because you're kind of like, oh, breaking the ice. and you're, You know what I mean? It's kind of awkward, funny and like a bit, you know? The thing is that platform is designed for people to meet and meet up and go for a drink and do whatever they want to do. Fall right? in love. Nothing else, James. Nothing else. Well, exactly. You know, 
I'd I'd more likely be on shardy.com or something like that trying to find my <laughs> trying to find my uh, next business connection but you'd be at the, uh, you know, the good sign up link mate you'd be there you know, listen you were on that list don't try it <laughs> <laughs> I saw your name there hey he's good dollar good there sing <laughs> five foot two no six foot two don't try it your mum had you listed <laughs> well she didn't tell me she had me listed uh, wow, people are naming some dating sites on Instagram. I will not repeat the dating sites that people are naming because but, they don't look like dating sites. So please but like, <laughs> but like you said, that platform is designed to connect people, right? So if yeah. you found if you found someone on Tinder, let's say, for example, who was uh, who's a senior person in a, a bridging company, you know, hmm. who lends money, would you not message them and think, you know what? Let me use this to my advantage. Let me see if I can link with this person because I need to fund my deals. And if she's someone who's a principal decision maker or, or he's a principal decision maker who can underwrite your case, why wouldn't you use that to your advantage? I sure as hell would. Try and think outside the box. James so Bond people, over here. All you people out there on those silly dating websites, try and find some you know, bridging guys, compliance officers and... Uh, put my deals in front of your me. handle in your office is opening and closing i don't know if it's a ghost <laughs> no that is my youngest son i could hear him outside trying to get in oh uh, well yeah i think you know y- you can consider dating sites um you know I, yeah that's what i'm gonna say but otherwise james you're saying it's kind of you know facebook twitter i mean a lot of stuff is business i know facebook if you're not in property or certain businesses it is totally personal. We forget as property investors because we're like, yo, Facebook is business. For a lot mm-hmm. of people, it is personal. However, I would use it if they haven't got back to me on LinkedIn or email. I would use it as a, hey, dude, sorry to like, you know, jump on your profile and stuff. Cool dog, you know, but can we talk like, about business, you know? That's when I would do it, basically. But yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's, yeah, it's fair game. Go on. You know, all these platforms are called social networking you know Mm -hmm. social networking social connections Mm -hmm. they're designed to bring people together so why wouldn't you use them use them to your advantage you know people i we talked about this before i do this once a year or twice a year where i have a social clear out of my feed on facebook because i want to see stuff there that inspires me and Mm. you can cater your feed to follow certain people the people you want to inspire to the people you want to connect to. So you can gear or change your social following or your social platforms to, to feed you the information that you want, you know? So like I say, it's a social platform. Use it socially. Don't be afraid to connect to people. I get it all the time. People reaching out. Oh, can you help me with this? Can you help me with that? And you know, if they ask you the right way, if they've gone about it the right way, you would, you're inclined to help them. Or, you know, if they just, if they just annoy you, you just send them to Ted. (laughs) Um, I, I think there's there's a, a, a rap lyric I could use right now to identify my next point, which is, um, no, I'm not going to say it because I don't know how to make it not rude. But essentially what I'm saying is don't be a hypocrite. Don't be a something in the streets, but a something in the sheets. That's my point. Don't. And what I mean by that is the streets represent your brand, your Facebook, this. So don't be like, for example, oh my God, I hate when people offer mentorship and like they don't deliver value and I hate all trainers, yeah? And then in the sheets, in the DMs, be like, so I do mentorship? Yeah, you've got to pay a thousand pounds, but it's half an hour. But most of that is actually you watching me sort of look at Excel and then there's five minutes of your questions and it's a really good deal. So don't be a in on the streets and then in the sheets you need to be the same person and not have disparity humans do not like things that are disparate is that how you say it or they diverge from 
the expectation of it. So when you're pitching business, don't be one person in the DMs and one person publicly. It ain't going to work out well. You're just, people are going to have a gut feeling about you. A lot of gut feeling comes from like us picking up things intuitively that we can then describe such as someone being like two different people or, or certain cues that we don't consciously think about is our gut as much as it has lots of neurons and it's almost like a second brain. Um, so like James, have you, I mean, I don't think I see this a lot, but have you seen examples of people sort of maybe being different behind the scenes as they are up front, especially when it comes to pitching something? Oh mate, I've seen it all the time. You have people, you know what? You just hit the nail on the head. You need to, I'll take myself as an example. For me, what you see here is what you'll get if you saw me at a networking event, is what you'd get if you saw me sitting around a boardroom trying to do a deal, and what you'll get at an important investor meeting or whatever. That's just the way I am. If I have to swear in a meeting, I will, because that's just me. I'm not changing my style of being a person to uh you got a little bit scared there. What happened? You see no, we're making cassava chips, and cassava chips are literally the most delicious thing in the world. I can smell it, so I'm just like Oh, you're having some chili and lemon on them as well. Ooh, I normally just do salt. I normally just do salt. Bit bit of red chili and lemon. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, I just just had a whiff of cassava and I was like, if anyone hasn't had cassava chips, fuck potatoes, fuck all that fake shit. Cassavas are literally... Moggle, baby, moggle. Yeah, (laughs) moggle are the most... Oh, I can't, I can't. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm salivating like Pavlov's dog. The most delicious thing ever. Sorry, carry carry on with what you're saying. (laughs) So... You gotta, you know what? Don't try and be a faker. You know, you gotta be authentic. Be very, very authentic. This is what um, uh, my wife says about me. She goes, James, you're quite raw. What you see with you here is what you see outside, or what mm. you see at a wedding, or what you see at an important meeting. I'm not here to change anybody else. This is me. Um, the style I write in is the style I write in. I won't change it to please anybody. The way I speak is the way I speak. I'm not changing it to please anyone. And I think it's very, very important to be authentic because like you said, Ted, there are people that will have a certain social profile. I'm not going to name any people, but, you know, but they'll have a very nice, clean social profile. You see them in real life and, you know, you say boo behind their back and these guys are going to shit themselves, you know, real scared characters. But on the social scene, they're like, damn, this guy is going going for it on social, but you see him in like crowds of people, they don't know how to conduct themselves. They don't know what to say. They're quite reserved. They're quite quiet. And it's just like, okay. So he that could just be face the here. confidence. That, that may not be them being like two-faced though. It may be the fact that it's easier to be confident on a phone than it is in person, no? No, there is that as well. But what I'm saying is if you're there on the socials and you're going for it like, you know, I do this, I'm amazing, I offer this course, I offer this training. But when you're in a group of people, you can't conduct yourself in the same way. Why not? Why are you changing yourself? Why are you in the social scene? You're really pushing yourself. And then when you're when you're there with people real life, you can't do that. You can't offer the same offering. What is it? Are you is it because it's pre-rehearsed when you've got it on the screen or can you not do the same thing when you're in a group of people? I just feel it goes back to being like, if you saw me going crazy pitching something on screen, I'm going to be the same crazy person pitching in a room in front of a load of people. My point being, you got to be consistent in who you are as a person. Don't try and have one adopt personality here, one here, one here, one there. It's like you, Ted. You meet you on screen, you meet you at a show, you meet you at a meal, wherever, at a wedding, at a do. You are, you're exactly the same no matter where. You don't change. That's it. That's you. 
Yeah. You know, I think that's really important. But, you know, like I said, I think there are two sides to that. It's either the person is genuinely, you know, not confident in the physical situations or it's they are pretending to be someone. There's both sort of arguments. And I think, again, your gut can tell you a lot about that, which leads me nicely to the next point, which is fear or miedo, as you say in Spanish. Like people are fearful of doing what we're doing right now. Like I've spoken to people who are who, in real life, what confidants, yeah? They post all the time, pictures, blogs. But when it comes to videos, they start shaking. They can't do video lives, even worse, because it's like being on live TV, I guess. And I'm like, what? You lot are so caught. And again, that's like a genuine thing. They're actually fearful of it. So I think a lot of people are fearful of when it comes to pitching business that, oh, I won't come across like I want to, or, oh, they're going to rejection which is another topic or they're gonna say no or they're gonna ignore me or not be interested or like but really with these fears you know yes you can get haters and you absolutely will there's some facebook pages we've seen just full of daily mail readers um there's like you know various people who are haters with an eight but Mm -hmm. like i think you have to ask yourself what is the worst that can happen is that dr pepper slogan um but literally the worst that can happen is someone says, mm, your pitch is shit, do one. And then isn't that potentially good feedback? So actually that's a positive. If someone says that to yeah. me, I'm like, is it? Let me, let's go back to the draw. Like, is it? So James, what other, have you seen fears maybe in your team when you had a print firm or in other investors that you speak to of like why they are maybe not pitching themselves or their business effectively? Yeah, yeah, I've seen this before. You know what? Uh, I think the one of the biggest fears I've seen people have is like you just said, when I was in sales or when my team were calling people up or not calling people up, it was just like, you know what? I've dropped them an email. An email's not good enough, man. A phone call. Mm. And it's just that, oh, I don't know what I'm going to say. I'm so scared. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous. What are you nervous about? You know, and I think what people do is they build up this whole situation in their head before it's even occurred. And that's what fear is. You kind mm. of, you create situations in your head and you let your mind take you on this crazy ass journey before something's even happened. You know, you're there, you're about to pick up the phone, you've dialed the number, your heart's beating, you're going <laughs> like this. And then you're like, oh, what if he tells me to fuck off? Oh, what if he tells me to do one? Well, so what? So what if he tells you to do one? You know, he's not your chacha. He's not your uncle. He's not your mum. He ain't, you know, he ain't your dad. So what? He might be. You know, the thing is, if you, if you rang up your old man and he told you to fuck off, you're probably going to have beef with him. You say, what you say, man? You know, you're going to, you're going to question him. You're going to ask him. You're going to start talking to him about that. But where somebody you don't even know, they're not even a connection to you yet. They have no meaning to you. Why are you so fearful of what that person's saying? The reason why you're fearful is because you've built up this whole thing in your head on what could go wrong. What could happen? What would happen if he says this? Why don't you switch it up? Why don't you switch it up and say to yourself, you know what, what would happen if he said, oh, why don't you come and see me at 11 o'clock tomorrow morning? We'll have a coffee. What if that happens? What if you have a coffee with him in the office and he says, you know what, I'll trial you for this. Give me some shit. You know, give me some of your product. I'll, I'll give it a go. What happens if three months down the line, he's using you solely and he becomes a mm. hundred thousand pound a month account. And then now you see, you're getting lifted. You're lifting in your chair. You're thinking, Damn, I'm ready. I'm hyped. I'm hyped. You know, because you're feeding yourself that positive stuff. The minute you start saying, oh, what if he doesn't, you know, what if I don't meet my sales target? Look, I'm falling in my chair. 
I'm getting more and more lower and lower and lower. And that's what fear is doing to you. It's eating it. And, and, and it's something that hasn't even happened. It doesn't even exist. You're letting it exist. You know, you're letting it eat you. So my whole, my whole take on that is if you are fearful, there's certain ways around it. You know, prepare a pitch, prepare a telephone pitch. You know, as much as you hate Grant Cardone, there are some things he talks sense about, you know. Well, he's amazing. He's such a good investor. Everything he says is the truth and he gets you so motivated and he's amazing. No, no, that's all bullshit. But some of the stuff he says, have a pitch, you know, have an answer for every scenario that they could throw at you. So if they could say, if they're going to say to you, you know what, we're not ready this month, have an answer for that. Have an answer for every scenario that you can go into or most scenarios you can go into when you're calling. And that way around, your fear factor or your fear level is dropped because you know what to expect. It's when you don't know what to expect is when you're shitting yourself and you're letting, you're getting yourself into this situation. I realized from, from my past dealings with sales guys, some of the best sales guys are the ones that don't give two fucks. You know, mm. they're ruthless. They've got quite a hard skin and they're not, they're not phased by someone saying to them, you know what, mate, look, I haven't got time at the moment. They'll carry on going. Even when you say, look, I haven't got time. You're like, look, man, I'm about to go in a meeting. And they still carry on going. You're thinking to yourself, damn, this guy's good. Because that's what I'm always thinking. I'm thinking, I've literally told this guy politely three times to go do one. He's still on the phone. How is he still on the phone? How am I almost interested in his product? How am I almost about to give him a go? And the reason why I'm about to give him a go, because he's been so damn persistent. He hasn't given up. And he's been true to his game that, I'm going to get through that net no matter how complex that net is. And for him, do you think fear exists? Of course it did at day one, but he's learned to deal with it in the right way. Yeah, I think we we can't give credit to Grant Cardone for coming up with the basics of sales. I think, you know, uh, Dale Carnegie or someone else could maybe take some credit for that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Zach in the chat says, false evidence appearing real. Yeah, false entities appearing real is fear. And Mark Twain, the famous uh, author, literature man, said... Something along the lines of, I had many a worries, but they never occurred. And that means, and it's a stoic thing as well, we worry about stuff, we build up anxiety, we build up emotions about things that have not happened yet. And what we have to do is behave and react in the present to what the fuck is going on around us. Because I don't know about y'all, but being in property, there's always some dumb shit going on at that time. So it's quite easy to be present because there's endless amounts of crap. And I, I guess that goes for any business, especially a newer business. Um, you know what, Ted? Let me just touch on that point before I forget what I was about to say. You know where you say uh, you just don't know what's going to happen? I I went through a massive thing with losing my business, yeah? You know, for months and months, I was standing there thinking to myself, you know, what's going to happen? I'm not going to have no money. I'm not going to have this. Am I going to survive? Am I going to be able to do something? And you know what? At the end of the day, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad shit gets, you're still alive. You're still ready to get back up and go again. You know, in the moment, if you allow yourself to consume all that negativity and and all that what if, you know, you're going to waste so much energy on the negative side of things that you're never going to look at any of the positive. So I would always just say, if you can't control a situation, just put it aside, you know, ask yourself, can I do anything about this? And if the answer is no, put it on this side of the list and just say, you know what? I can't do nothing about that. And if there's a situation you're faced with and you can do something about it, then do something about it. If it's out of your control, like for me, I've got a legal court claim going on against me at the moment. Can I do something about it? I've done everything I can possibly do about it. So now I don't worry about it. I just think, you know what? It's on the side. Forget it. We'll deal with it when it comes. So ask yourself that question when you're in that situation. Can you do something about it? 
And if the answer is yes, do something. If the answer is no, park it up and don't even think about it. That is essentially a big tenet of Stoic philosophy. Can you change it? No. Then what are you going to do about it? Nothing. So it's your reason choice. Like, you know, what can you do about something? And it is so difficult, though, to build up that stage. Like, I'm mm. sure it's taken both of us years, years and yeah, various yeah. jobs that exposes us to this to build it up. But it's very difficult to sort of park some anxiety or compartmentalize something because you can't change it because you're like, why can't I change it? What? And acceptance and I guess self-realization and actualization is important. And in sales, yeah, you can be that ego-driven, oh, guys, I'm going to sell you a fucking pencil. Or you can be the more conscious, still confident and still that instinct, but just more self-aware because it will be better in the long run for you. So what we've said a lot of, you know, we've kind of referred to sales more than anything, but this does apply to property. You know, getting an investor is a type of sale, selling yourself, selling a deal. If you're a deal sourcer, if you're a solicitor in the chat, if you're a broker, like this applies to everything. So really this talk, as well as being about pure product sales, Really, it's been about how to raise investment finance because unless you have these basics and all these things correct, you know, James, you know what I call it? I was speaking to someone the other day and I call it the art of conversation. I think there's various ways that are not, look, you could call them manipulation. Yeah, like you could because manipulation just means to literally change the, the, the shape or passage of something. Yes, it has negative connotations, but in conversations, we're always manipulating. That's what we do. We are controlling mm or editing like parts of the conversation. So there's certain things you can do. And here's a tip I learned from a book today, actually. It's so say you've got a product, yeah, or even an investment, yeah, and you're selling it to me, James. And I'm like, blah, 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 yeah, cool, cool. I'm like, oh, okay, mm, have you got it in, in yellow? Instead of you saying yes, or yes, we have it in yellow, you can flip that into a close and say, would you like to buy it in yellow? See that? Just mm-hmm. that, that one, that what, four or five words totally twists it to now being, are you ready to buy in yellow? You know, and instead of, because if someone says, oh, I want to invest, but like, I haven't got a hundred grand, I've got 50 grand, you know, would you accept 50 grand? Instead of just saying yes, say, would you, would you like to invest a 50 grand? Because it's driving the conversation forward and you're controlling the end, which you have to do it as much as you're listening in sales, you have to control the conversation, not pressure, but control it to say, you know, would you, cause then it also puts a consideration in their head where they're like, Oh, maybe I would, or, mm, you know what? No, I'm still not sold. You know? So it's kind of a, it, it, it's controlling. It's the art of the conversation. Um, and that's just life, you know, it's normal. Right. But certain good salespeople will use certain tactics, you know, like you said, staying on the phone for long or just, asking certain questions and when you know how to sell i think that it's more difficult for someone to sell to you because you're like i, I know what you're doing or like i'm not answering that or you're like Mm-mm. even then as humans you slip up sometimes you're like oh yeah i would like a gray or ppi yeah i've got ppi like <clears throat> you know what i mean you slip up so i think that covers most of the topic james you know the last thing i had was basically like rejection but you know we've been through that it's normal it's going to happen can you change it yep please change it you can't don't change it. There was a quote actually by someone. I think he woke up every morning and said it to God. I said it to God, I tell you. He said, uh, God, please, I'm going to totally butcher this. God, please give me the, uh, you know what? I'm going to Google this because this is such an important quote that. I think I know exactly what you're referring yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, give, me... G- give me the strength I need or something. Uh... That's like, oh, here we go. So, here we go. 
Oh God, oh God, oh God, is how it starts, but we'll ignore that. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. That Mm -hmm. is on my wall in my bedroom where I normally work. Every day I wake up and I see that. If you can say that every day to your God, God's, goddesses whatever you believe in or yourself it is so important because you need the peace the serenity to accept what you can't change but you need the courage to go out there and make a change when you can and to speak up but you need the wisdom the intelligence to know when is you know when it's going to happen right so i think the serenity prayer if anyone wants to google it said by the american theologian am i saying that right why do i i can't speak english sometimes reinhold nibher uh, who died in 1971. May God rest his soul. So, uh, James, I believe this brings us to the end of the property duo this week. Uh, we need a jingle. We yeah, need a jingle. Just thinking that. We, if anyone can sing and make us a jingle, because I clearly can't. Uh, you know please. what? My VA, my VA actually offered that because she does a lot of singing. Presidential jingles they make in the Philippines. So she said, would you like me to make you a jingle? Dude, let let's let's explore because then we could have our intros and it could say the property duo. <laughs> like have us. That would be sick. That'd be so cool. Seeing as we're actually taking it seriously now after like eight episodes, I you know. Right. So before we take questions, James, I think next week we should do it at 10 a.m. Looking at the numbers on Zoom. Yeah, yeah. 10 a.m. People love it. Yeah, yeah, so next Thursday, every Thursday. We'll, sw- we'll switch it back to 10 a.m. Back that's to 10 a.m. This was an A-B test, and this A-B test failed, and that's the truth. So um, we are going to be back next Thursday at 10 a.m. Uh, we have questions. Uh, do we have any questions? I mean, I'll look at the Instagram questions, James, if you look at the Zoom uh, questions. I'm going to play with some filters as well. I love Instagram filters. Filters. Oh, what's this filter? Whoa, whoa, why do I... Wow, it's done something to me. I don't know what it's done, but... You're, you're not yellow anymore. I know, it's a good look, isn't it? What is this? Any questions, James? Any questions? No, I questions. can't see anything, no. Cool, uh, well... What you, what you got on Instagram? Any questions on Instagram? Uh, any questions on... Anyone any questions on... James, oh dear, this is such a... Dude, this is really offensive. Smooth Property says, James, has anyone ever told you you sound exactly like Piers Morgan? Oh, fuck. Oh, man. Who, who said that? Smooth Properties. If you want to block him, uh, I don't mind. You can do your thing. <laughs> Why? I'm joking, but Why? wow. Do you sound like... No, he sounds like a like an idiot. You don't sound like him. You, know, you haven't got the same accent either. Who, hold on. Who sounds like an idiot? Me or Piers? Piers does. Oh, okay. okay I've got to be worried. <laughs> Um, Cara says she said cassava leaf. I haven't had cassava leaf. Oh, but cassava itself is lovely. Right, we have no questions. Uh, and Instagram is going to kick us off in three minutes. So thank you everyone for watching this. If you joined late on Instagram, this will be on my story or my IGTV. I'm not sure where it goes. Bye. Cool, James. I think we can. Was there a question from uh, Tarek at the beginning? No, we've covered that before. Cool. Right, James. I think we can end it then. Yeah. So. Next week, we'll see you at 10 a.m., I guess. Switch it back. 10 a.m., people. And thanks for joining. If you like this podcast, connect with Tej on Facebook, LinkedIn, and YouTube for more great content.